Hey, welcome back to All People's Church Online. Every great story starts with an invitation. You know, the movies we love, the, the books we enjoy, there's always an invitation to some kind of epic journey. The hero gets invited into some kind of a quest. And to be quite honest, the stories we love from history are no different. There's an invitation to some great encounter or exploit. One of, one of my favorite stories from history, one that's really inspired me, is the story of Sir Ernest Shackleton and his crew. The, the story takes place in the early 1900s, and this was a very different time than today. You know, the whole world hadn't been explored yet. We didn't have Google Maps. Nobody knew where things were, and so there were, there were people that sought to make a name for themselves by conquering the unseen. You know, they would scale mountains and name them or go on great expeditions, and Ernest Shackleton was no exception. He had this goal, this ambition, to lead the first trans- Antarctic expedition to take a group of people across Antarctica to see the South Pole. So he bought this ship, which he promptly renamed the Endurance, and it was based on his life motto. Through endurance, we conquer. He was an intense guy, and he started to gather a crew. And one thing that's notable about this expedition on the Endurance that Sir Ernest Shackleton took was how he invited people to be part of the crew. It was very interesting. He took on an ad in local newspapers, and this is actually what the ad said. Men wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness. It sounds just like a job offer you replied to recently, right? Uh, complete darkness, constant danger, safe return, doubtful, honor and recognition in case of success. You know, this 28-word ad, about the length of a tweet, inspired people to go on a journey that really, if they didn't have the strongest constitution, would result in their death. But people rallied. They were invited to this great adventure. Shackleton himself felt he had this purpose. He had this, this destiny to go to the South Pole. He wrote this, I had a dream when I was 22 that someday I would go to the region of ice and snow and go on and on until I came to one of the poles of the earth. And, you know, even today in 2020, it's a San Diegan. That still kind of freaks me out. I mean, we have the best performance where we have all kinds of technical food and we know what the South Pole looks like. This was an intense journey now, but this was even more dangerous then. And there's something about being invited into a great adventure. You know, we use that word calling. Maybe you've felt that before. Maybe you felt invited or inspired or like you had some purpose that was related to your destiny that you had to fulfill. Some people, they, they find their calling through other people. Some people, they, they look within. You know, people claim to find their calling in all different ways. But we want to study that topic in the scriptures today to, to explore that idea of a calling. Um, a calling, just the definition of the word is this, a strong inner impulse towards a particular course of action accompanied by the conviction of divine influence. That's what a calling is, this impulse, this drive to do something that is brought to us by divine influence. Today I want to speak to you from the subject, responding to God's call. Responding to God's call. One, one verse in the Bible that's powerful in terms of a calling is this. 2 Timothy 1.9 speaks of God. He has saved us and called us to live a holy life not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and his grace. You know, first of all, maybe you've just stumbled on this program. 
you know, you're not familiar with All People's Church or who this guy is that's talking about Sir Ernest Shackleton, one thing I'd want you to know is God has saved us. This is the basic message of the Bible, that Jesus came to the earth, fulfilled many prophecies about himself, performed miracles, died a criminal's death on a cross as a sacrifice. He never sinned. He didn't deserve that death. He took on the punishment on the cross that that you and I deserve so that by believing and trusting in him, we could be saved. We could be made right with God. That is the basic message of the scriptures, that the wages of sin and death, but the gift of God is eternal Christ, eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. That is God. That is God's heart for us, that he desires to save us. But maybe you've heard that before. A lot of people have, but a lot of people haven't thought about God's call. Remember the scripture, it said he had saved us and called us to a holy life. Today I want to speak to you about responding to God's call. And I love this, this symbol of a ship. You know, ship have been a symbol of calling all throughout the centuries. In some ways, a positive symbol. The thing that people use to, to traverse and journey through the world, to find their purpose and their destiny. For some, a negative symbol, actually a way that people have fled from their calling or a, a, a way that people have committed atrocities, you know, using this kind of travel. And we're going to look at a prophet from the Bible that spent some of his life on a ship and found God's calling. We're going to look at the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah is a very interesting book in the Bible. It's only four chapters. It's very short, only 689 words. One Bible commentator said this about Jonah, that it's a masterpiece of minimalist writing. It's really true. Just in this short book, we see Jonah in all these different scenes. He's on a boat. He's in a fish. He's in Israel. He's in Assyria. He's going all over the place. And there's all these characters we meet. And there's all these different types of literature. There's a poem in Jonah. There's this interesting allegory, prophetic passage. There's the historical passage. Of course, the whole story about the fish that many people grew up hearing about in Sunday school. Jonah has so much for us. It's a very rich book. And it has so much for us today as well as we look at this idea of God's calling. Mark Sayers, one author, said this about Jonah. Jonah's life demonstrates the power of responding to God's call and confronting the sacrifice of seemingly unlimited options. We have so many options in life, but God is a calling for you and he is a calling for me. Let's open up the book of Jonah and read Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. Jonah 1, 1 says this, The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. Now there's so much here, but we're actually going to narrow just to this one verse for a moment, because it teaches us something very important. Just the basic principle that our calling, it comes from God. The Lord gave a message to Jonah. Some translations say, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. What's interesting is how little we know about Jonah. We don't know much about Jonah. In in 2 Kings, Jonah is mentioned very briefly, but besides that, we don't know much about him. We don't know his backstory. We don't know what kind of person he was, really where he came from. Jonah's kind of a mystery, and I think that's very intentional. I think the Bible has that as a mystery because it wants us to understand this principle that Jonah's life started when he began to be called by God. Our calling doesn't start with ourselves. It starts with God. Now, this could be a very difficult concept for us to grasp today because it's very countercultural. 
Today, we're taught to, to look within for our calling, you know, unleash what's within or, or find your own journey or, you know, look for your passions and your dreams. But, but there's something greater for all of us when we start to understand the concept of God's calling. There's a secret for us, actually. The one piece of information we have about Jonah is Jonah's father's name, Amittai. It means my truth. Maybe you've heard that phrase before. You've heard somebody say, well, this is my truth and you need to find your truth and I have my truth. You know, it's kind of a thing people say these days. And I think it reveals something about our culture. It's, it's we're, we're focused on truth coming from ourselves. We're focused on our purpose coming from ourselves and actually not from God. God took Jonah from a person that was focused on his own truth to a person that proclaimed his truth. Our calling comes from God. And it's not that God doesn't care about your desires or my desires or what's in our heart, but that's not where we start. We start by asking God what His word, His truth, and His direction is for our lives. And what's fascinating to me as I look at the Bible is all the different ways that God calls people. Just, just a few examples. God spoke to Moses and He said this, What's in your hand? Moses. So God uses Moses' abilities and actually things he already has to confirm his calling. Uh, we have Samuel. Samuel was called because of his parents. His parents dedicated him to God and he would received a special calling from the Lord. Isaiah was called in a vision. That can happen. God calls people in visions or dreams. Daniel was asked to serve. Joseph, he found his call actually in his suffering. God confirmed his calling. Esther, her call is confirmed by Mordecai. He encourages her in her calling. And then in the New Testament, we have the Ethiopian eunuch. He's called while he's reading the Bible. As you can see, God calls us in a lot of different ways and really all of those ways. I can think of uh, my wife and I moving out to San Diego years ago to help be a part of the team that planted All People's Church. And God used many of these things to, to call me into that journey. I had, a, I had a dream where God spoke to me. Well, that's a more supernatural example. And then he confirmed it through other people, wise counsel, in my life. And, and then as I studied the scriptures, God was speaking and revealing things to me. God will confirm our call. He'll use all kinds of things to call us. But one thing we must remember is our calling comes from Him, not us. And, and it's important to know that because if we limit our calling to ourselves as coming from us, God's never going to use us to do things that require the greatness and the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, God's calling is bigger than you. It's bigger than what you can do on your own, which is why it comes from Him and Him alone. Let's keep looking at Jonah's life here. We're going to see another principle as immediately God speaks to Jonah. He says, Jonah, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. God made it pretty clear. He wanted Jonah to go to Nineveh. Here's the next aspect of your calling. Your calling will require faith. Your calling will require faith. You know, this was God's Shackleton invitation to Jonah. Jonah, you're about to go on a perilous journey. You're about to go to Nineveh. And we don't know how things will turn out necessarily when we respond to God's call. We don't know exactly what's going to happen along the way. But God calls us to get up and go, to take steps of obedience along the way. And God's calling requires faith because oftentimes our calling will be tested. You know, Psalm 105 says this. It says, the word of the Lord tested Joseph. Our calling will test us. Our calling will be tested. And sometimes even our calling will offend us because it's greater than we can ever ask or imagine. God's calling actually offended Jonah. We'll see that later in the book of Jonah, how he, how he flees God's calling. 
But why? Why did Jonah flee God's calling? It offended him for a few reasons. One of the reasons Jonah became offended with this calling from God is because it offended his nationalism. To him, the Assyrians, they were unrighteous people. He was an Israelite, one of God's chosen people. He didn't want to go associate with those people or go that direction. He instead sails an entirely different direction, as we'll see in a few minutes. Another reason that Jonah was offended by God's calling is his pride was offended. He wanted to be known as a successful prophet, not as a failed prophet. And he knew if he went and preached to the Assyrians, to Nineveh, that they would repent and the judgment that he preached would not happen. And so Jonah didn't want to be a failed prophet. And as a result, he became offended by God's calling. You know, God's calling will always be greater than we can imagine. I've, I've talked to people in all different kinds of professions that have been called by God in unique ways. I, I think of one uh, friend I had that was in the special forces of the United States military who felt a calling from God as a, at a young age to pursue that vocation. And he made it in to that vocation after many, many trials and testings. I know people who are doctors or attorneys or um, involved in government and they were called into those professions. And honestly, that call required faith. They didn't know how the financing would happen for schooling. They didn't know how everything would line up, but they responded to God's call. I, I, there's been times where I've interacted with other people who were students who felt that God led them to go to a certain school, and that required their faith. They didn't know, are there Christians at that school? Am I going to have friends or people to fellowship? How am I going to pay for it? But God called them along the way. God's calling can offend us, it can challenge us, but it will always require faith. Let's continue to read through Jonah now as we see our next aspect of God's calling. We're going to read for a bit as we read the rest of Jonah chapter 1. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction, really bad idea Jonah, to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. So we're here on the USS Bill of Rights, actually in Chula Vista Harbor. You can hear a little bit of a wind, probably in the microphone. But think about a violent wind, throwing this ship every direction. This is how the sailors respond, fearing for their lives. The desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. So they're just throwing things overboard, trying to survive. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted, get up and pray to your God. Maybe he'll pay attention to us and spare our lives. The crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused this terrible storm. This was a superstition that they had at the time. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us? They demanded, who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What's your nationality? Jonah answers, I'm a Hebrew. And I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you to stop the storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said. It will all become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. So they began to fight. They cried to God. They asked for his forgiveness. Eventually, Verse 15, the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power. They offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. We're going to get to that part next week. 
But let's close with this, this last aspect of God's calling. Your calling will change you. Your calling will change you. Notice Jonah's absolute immaturity in responding to God's call. A few aspects of Jonah's immaturity get revealed very quickly as he flees from God. First of all, he goes the opposite direction. He flees God's presence. Not a good idea if you're someone that wants to pursue your calling. Some translations say he was attempting to flee the presence of the Lord, which obviously is impossible, but Jonah had this idea that he could outrun God. We can't outrun God. He knows right where we live. But just for you to understand how outlandish this was, we're going to show you a quick map, which is going to show Joppa, right where Jonah's journey started. It's going to show Nineveh up in uh, where's kind of modern-day Iraq, Iran. It's uh, Assyria in the time of the Bible. And then we're going to see Tarshish, which is way over in Spain. I mean, Jonah was literally headed to a different continent. He thought he could outrun God and get that far away. So Jonah was fleeing the presence of the Lord. Another issue we see here, it's a little symbolic moment. The Bible mentions that Jonah paid for his ticket. This is very powerful for us to understand. And it's an issue with God's calling in our life. Here's the principle. What God orders, he pays for. What God orders, he pays for. So if God calls you to something, he's actually going to help provide along the way for that calling to be lived out. But Jonah ends up having to buy his own ticket, demonstrating that he is now taking his provision into himself. His immaturity is further realized. Next, we see Jonah. He doesn't care about other people at all. There's this huge storm. The sailors are fighting for their lives. He's totally neglected to help Nineveh, which God had called him to do. Instead, what is he doing? He is under the deck, asleep in the middle of this storm. He's not caring for others. Jonah only cared about himself. And God was going to have to transform that if he was going to use Jonah for this calling. And then finally, we see Jonah's spiritual immaturity. The, the sailors have to go below deck, wake him up, and remind him to pray. People that walk out in God's calling are people of prayer. And Jonah needed to be reminded to pray, which demonstrates that he was not someone that sought the Lord. We have to be changed if we are going to be people that complete our calling. Jonah fled, so God appointed a storm. Sometimes God appoints things in your life to change you and transform you in order to help you fulfill your calling. Rather than fleeing, we need to be people that run to the presence of God. Rather than trying to provide for ourselves, we need to be people that understand God's financial principles. Rather than not caring for others, we need to be focused on other people and encouraging them and, and putting them first in our lives. And finally, we need to be people of prayer if we're going to accomplish God's calling in our life. That's the kind of person that God uses to fulfill His calling. Responding to God's call, very simple. First of all, we need to believe that our calling comes from God. Secondly, I want to encourage you and challenge you because God's calling is going to require faith. And finally, God is going to use your calling to change you just like my calling has changed me. I can remember coming out to San Diego to be a part of the planting of All People's Church. And of course, we had amazing dreams and ambitions of how God would work in San Diego and the people's lives who, who He would touch. And He did. But what I wasn't expecting in the middle of that process was how much work God wanted to do in my own heart and how much He wanted to transform and change in me. God intends to change you and transform you just as you participate with Him and seeing him change and transform the world around you. And that really reminds me about the person we were speaking about at the beginning of our message, 
Ernest Shackleton. You know, Shackleton's men, they got to the South Pole. They were ready to, to complete this journey and traverse across Antarctica. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, they wake up and their ship is frozen in a block of ice. For them, this was basically a death sentence. Shackleton orders a special watch. It is a stressful and exhausting night. And in the morning, the pressure looks even worse. The assaults by the ice continue for weeks. The wind howled in the rigging, and I couldn't help thinking it was making just the sort of sound you would expect a human being to utter if they were in fear of being murdered. Shackleton said at length, you'd better make up your mind that it is only a matter of time. What the ice gets, the ice keeps. The unrelenting pressure damages the rudder of the ship beyond repair. Wilde and Shackleton are stranded. Trapped for more than seven months in the pack ice, they are now 1,200 miles from civilization. They are basically doomed to death. And this is what Shackleton said in that moment. He turned to his first mate and he said this, we shan't cross the Antarctic continent after all. He was a Scottish guy. And he talks about his dream and how that's dying before his eyes. And then he says, it's a pity, but it cannot be helped. It's the men we have to think about. And a work happened in Shackleton where his main goal, his main purpose came to be, hey, the South Pole is gone, but honestly, that wasn't important anyway. My main work as a leader now is to make sure all of my men survive this journey. This is the reason Shackleton studied today by business and military and political leaders is because he sacrificed himself and his own dream for the sake of his men. And he went on a long journey. He, he left his men on that seashore. He took a boat over 800 miles, scaled a mountain. It's an amazing story I don't have time to get into. But at the end of the day, he came back months later and not a single man was lost. You know, his calling was used to shape him and make him focused on others rather than just his own dreams. That's what I'm praying for you is that God would use your calling to shape and transform you. Maybe you find yourself as that person that's just realizing, oh, God has a calling for me, and it doesn't come from within myself, it comes from Him. If that's what God's speaking to you through this message, I would just encourage you to turn to God and ask Him to confirm your calling in amazing ways. Maybe, maybe you know that you have a calling from God, but you're in that second portion where where God's calling is starting to require your faith. It's starting to offend you and challenge you, and you're nervous about that. I would just encourage you to keep going. Ask God for a gift of faith. Get people around you to help you fulfill your calling. Maybe you're in this third category, where God is using your calling to transform and change you. Man, it's a tough place to be on a storm in the middle of a ship. I want you to know we're with you, and I want to pray for you that God would do the work He wants to do in you so He can do the work He wants to do through you. That's responding to God's call. Over the next couple weeks, we're going to continue in the life of Jonah as we study different principles of finding our purpose and our destiny in the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, I pray for all those that are watching this program, with my friends, my brothers and sisters. I pray that you would confirm their calling. I think that you've saved them and you've called them. Lord, we want to be a called people that live on mission and by your purpose alone. And I'm praying, God, that you would do the work in us in this season that needs to be done so that we can fulfill all that you have in your heart for us. In Jesus' name, amen.